All right, data storytellers. After some technical difficulties, finally, we are on the air. And today I'm speaking with Rana Jairendi from Citizen Watch, a conversation I've been looking forward to. Uh, welcome on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Elijah. Fantastic. So look, today we're going to just explore a vista of different topics in data science and analytics. You and I spoke multiple times, both mm -hmm. Uh, you know, after you attended the masterclass, we had some uh, follow-ups as well. So uh, first of all, would you mind giving just a quick introduction into what you do and your role over at uh, Citizen Watch? Sure. Um, so I am officially VP of Data Analytics for Citizen Watch America. Um, the task that I've been given is to build the analytics practice for the organization. So I'm working with different stakeholders and different business functions, as well as with my team, um, is to build this analytics capability for the uh, for the company. Mm -hmm. Got it. And how did you get into data science and analytics? What was your, your journey into the craft? Sure. Um, so I've been always working in the data, always. Um, so for last 20 years around, when I look at my journey until this point, so I see this in kind of three different phases. Um, the first phase, which I called is like building the base where I used to work with, you know, building data warehouses, data pipelines, you know, working with transactional data, operational systems, um, kind of get a feeling of how to organize data for usage. And I realized very quickly that that's very, very important for any kind of data operations for future. Um, the second phase, when I moved into more of building insights, where I kind of, you know, generating predictive, descriptive insights, worked with machine learning models, worked with uh, visualization tools, um, led a team of analysts, data scientists as well. And that's the first time I kind of came closer to the business stakeholders, trying to understand their problem and from there to generate insights. Um, and uh, that's the kind of my beginning of data storytelling at that point. And the third phase for first last few years, what I've been doing is more um, building a practice. So this is like building on overall analytics practice um, and uh, creating analytics rigor for the organizations. And uh, the most important asset I work today are people. Mm, okay, there you go. So there was definitely an evolution of, of uh, your responsibilities. So here at the Data Storytellers, I mean, ultimately what we're about is professional development for data science and analytics people. Um, and, you know, I'm just looking at your background now. I'm, I'm glancing at it on your LinkedIn. So you're a lead data scientist at Canon so between 2013 and 2016, Bloomingdale, Sidecar, um, Bush. So this is when you were actually like a global manager at that point too. So yeah. You became a VP of analytics, like a, a brand that actually, you know, people know. So that's like a pretty big jump. So for you, was that development intentional or just kind of organically the responsibilities called you to, okay, now you got to get to the next step? Because a lot of people do stay in, let's say, staying data scientists and they're staying in a technical role. So what was your main motivation to branch off into the more people-oriented side of the craft? Sure. So um, uh, it was intentional. Let me tell you that um, it, it is, it's kind of helped me throughout my journey as well. But as I was working with more, uh, you know, data and analytics and insights, uh, what I found is what, I, what I'm more curious about it, what happens to these insights when it goes to the business? And for a long period of time, I was completely dark about it. I really do not know what happens. I generate a lot of insights, really cool algorithms and stuff like that. 
but I really don't know what happens to that. And I was always very curious. And as I started having more, more and more conversation with uh, business leaders and business stakeholders, I get an idea that where um, it's kind of sometimes get lost and sometimes really being used. And that made me feel I can be more um, uh, you know, effective in that kind of position, in that kind of role, where I can use my technical backgrounds and knowledge, um, but use it for uh, you know, doing some craft on the business side. So that kind of helped me to push towards this kind of uh, role in my, in my journey. So how did the challenges evolve, right? Because I imagine that you have very different challenges as a data scientist than as someone actually leading a function and who's responsible for driving the success and the business impact of that function. Yeah, uh, I think that's still a gap. I, I will say still a gap between um, data and business. So we have heard this term a lot of times, data-driven decision-making. I think we always use it. You can sweep in people's resumes everywhere. And I think for past a decade, a little bit more as well, we have done revolutionary changes in the data part. We have an awesome right now data infrastructure system, and we have like cool algorithms. We have state-of-art visualization tools. So we are doing a lot of progress and LLMs kind of, you know, making a big impact right now. And we are continuously striving to build that part of the journey. What we are not focused is on the decision. So um, what I felt always, wherever I got a little bit of success in, you know, in adoption is when we start from the decision and move towards, navigate towards the insights and ultimately to the data. So that is the biggest challenge. And this is not easy. I know some of the companies are already working in this area, but this is a very complex problem because this is not a tool. This is not an algorithm. This is, these are really people whom you need to transform and you cannot do it by yourself. So you need a lot of skill set in terms of partnership, alliance, kind of bringing a change in the organization, get a buy-in from your executives of your leadership, um, get a lot of sponsorship, a support across the organization. So uh, I think it is, um, it is, it's a hard task, but I think if wherever we can make uh, you know, progress in this area, will be very, very good for any data analytics practice in future. Mm -hmm. A hundred percent. And, you know, I mean, today, especially with all the trends, like generative AI, like people are uh, like excited about this or at least intrigued. But then what you find as a senior data analytics professional is that it's not enough. Like that excitement, that kind of intrigue or interest is not enough. It's really about, okay, how are people going to use these solutions? Where's the real investment? So if you look at this uh, like landscape of the main challenges, where do you see those main bottlenecks. So let's first maybe look at the the disconnect between business and data analytics. How do you think that data data analytics is still being seen in an organization from non-technical stakeholders? In their eyes, what is data analytics? What role does it play? What is their general experience with data science and analytics in the business? Um, I'll say that it definitely differs from industry to industry and maybe company to company as well, wherever the maturity is. But a lot of time I, I thought that uh, data analysis is seen as a, a extension of an IT function a lot mm -hmm. of times. So it's like a technical support for them. Um, uh, and, and I think that is a wrong position where you can put data analytics to get create a real impact within the organization. 
And I think there are some challenges in that. The first part is uh, what I think as a, as a leader, as well as a practitioner of data analytics, is to get something called business literacy. We, we talk a lot about data literacy within the business community, but I think it's equally important to have a business literacy for the data analytics professionals. I need to know where my business is going, what's their challenges, you know, what is their strategy goal? That's very, very important for me. I think that is number one. The number two, I think, is the ownership. And when I'm saying ownership as a leader, I'm, I'm always very satisfied while delivering solutions. I think the ownership comes to the fact when I actually own a common business goal, maybe generating revenue or you know, reducing cost or something like that. I think that is very important for analytics to be part, centralized part of the business function. Um, that, is, uh, that is my second point. And my third point is on more of how to create this partnership with this business, uh, with the business community. Um, uh, there's always a challenge of having that partnership and ultimately create an impact. For example, create an impact there. For example, if I can create a uh, a, a partnership with my marketing um, head, for example. Now, how to channelize, how to share a common goal, how to create a, you know, a, a common planning and prioritization technique so that my analytics roadmap kind of mimic what the marketing wants to do. And then we share the same thing. And this is easy to say, it's very difficult to do as well. So I, I think these are the three four things I think is a bigger challenge in terms of how data analytics will perceived as well. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. So maybe let's zoom in a little bit on that first challenge, what you mentioned, business literacy. So I applaud that. Uh, absolutely. I know that we talk a lot about data literacy, but, uh, and that is important, that it is 100% important. We do explore sometimes, okay, where should you shoot with your data literacy aims? Like, do you need to, do you need the whole business to understand what a data mesh is and, you know, what happens under the hood? or it has to be on a need to know basis, right? So you yep. get them to a level where they at least embrace and understand your initiatives and there's no like really severe emotional resistance, right? That yes. comes from fear and a lack of understanding and confusion. So that's fantastic. Yep. But then I think that proactive part though, on the side of the data uh, science team is neglected. It's like, okay, you need to take those steps towards the business as well. Some would argue that actually that is the key to success, to drive that. It's almost like a, a triggering that principle of uh, reciprocity. If you take the steps towards your stakeholders and you make that gesture of really getting to understand the anatomy of the organization and their motivational levers of each of those stakeholders, they kind of return in kind, you know, that, uh, uh, that, that favor. So, First of all, how do you acquire that business literacy? So I imagine that there are like general uh, patterns in, in each business, but you need to be specific about the intentions and the goals of your specific organization. What have you found work best in terms of finding that out? Like, who do you need to talk to? What kind of questions you need to ask? What are your best practices to embed yourself in the business to gain that visibility? So um, this is my approach, and I, I hope, I think it works pretty well for me. Um, I straight go to my C-level executives first, to that leadership, to understand what is your goal for next three to five years. Yeah, they cannot give a real clear answer about it, but what is your strategy goal for maybe next year even? What, what are you looking for? 
And from there, I get a very, very high level picture of where the business is going, what are the pain points, what are the things that they are anticipating and they're going to change. Then I go to the next level of leadership who are more at the mid-management level, you know, practitioners, they're working um, with the team that builds like, like supply chain or marketing or, you know, merchandising. I, I, then I kind of sit with them to create a, uh, a matrix of what they want to do. What is their goal right now? What is their tactical maneuvering they're trying to do? What they really don't know and what they want to know, but they do not have the enough information to make a decision on that. And above all, I think, how are they making the decision today? I think that is important as well for me to understand. Like, for example, if you look after pandemic, supply chain departments, functions have a very different challenge. If you look after pandemic, marketing has a very different challenge as well so they they have completely different kind of pain points goals and they're making all of them are trying to make like you know tactical maneuvering and that's where i want to be whenever you are trying to do that tactical maneuvering i want to be part of that i just don't want you i don't want to be an audience and i don't want you to be an audience of the data analytics as well so mm-hmm. i think that's where i kind of started and this is not a one day process as you go and continuously build that relationship and partnership and conversation and work together to create a matrix together i think that's where you learn and you kind of gain your business literacy from there and then it's a collaborative and they kind of get the literacy and that's kind of collaborative discussion at that point. Mm-hmm. And not 100% foolproof you can fail and you can be pushed back as well that happens and it's almost like a good thing when that happens, you know, when the pushback happens, when that kind of friction happens, a lot of people shy away from that. But in fact, what we found is that that is almost like a, a signal of success, that there is real engagement there. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is when people just silently nod at everything that you say, you know, data, yes, algorithms, AI, yeah, fantastic. But then they are basically tuned out. But then where there, there is some friction. Oh, yeah, you got... <laughs> There you go. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. There you go. No problem. So yeah, as I was saying that you know, getting that friction, getting that pushback is actually a a good sign. That is a signal of real engagement. And people just silently nod automatically, then that is fake reassurance. You know, that just means that they don't really care. So when you get pushback, there's some real exchange happening. Would you agree? Hundred percent. I I think it should be a conversation. It should not be a presentation from my end or from their end as well. I think wherever we have more engaging conversation and in some point they may not need any insight at that point. I mean, they may know already what to do for this and something may be planned already which they do not want to change. Um, so they, they, they're doing this for like, like 30, 40 years, for example, right? Somebody's doing it and uh, they have some experience and that's why I am a strong believer of more of cognitive kind of insights rather than just insights from data because data may not be able to see a lot of things which they know. So it's kind of a, a intersection of their experience and data that kind of help to make a decision. And uh, yeah, when I get a pushback in that cases, I, I just, you know, I do not want to shy away, I come back again next quarter to talk about, okay, now what do you have? What do you have done? Okay, can we measure this? This is really good or didn't work? Do you want to change something in this? And I think that persistence of conversation actually helped to get some, making some inroads. Um, again, it's a long winding and very painful process, but I think it is absolutely necessary for uh, 
data analytics to be successful um, in an organization which is kind of you know started building an analytics practice or may have built a little bit of it. Absolutely, and as you pointed out, you know some some of these people have been in business for 30, 40 years. They're really good at what they do. And with that comes a scarcity of their time and attention. So it's almost like when uh, data analytics functions get into the box of the data vending machine or like report vending machine, right? Your uh, utilization will be very limited because, you know, People just like do what they do. They might get some marginal gains from, from a report here and there. But what's really useful for these people and anyone who has been working with C-level executives, those people are really good at what they do too. And they really appreciate when someone comes in proactively. That's the key there. Like proactively, like, I'm here to help. What are you focusing on? What are your frustrations? What are your pains? And you as a trusted business advisor, as a business partner almost, you don't need to like like your goal is not to definitely 100% build something for this person because maybe what you can offer is that look i know that there's all these narratives about ai machine learning there's a lot of value a lot of risk i can tell you that actually right now where you are where where the business is at um don't be anxious you know you're not really missing out on anything now maybe next quarter we can revisit but you know you guys are in a good shape maybe you know i can help you with this small thing here and there but if there's like a huge opportunity and they will really appreciate if you just give them visibility and offer your service as really like, not even like an internal consultant, more like an entrepreneur. It's like, hey, I'm here, here's this whole function and we can really help you. So getting into, into, into that kind of conversation, which is a very different quality from what we see from most businesses. I, I completely agree. I, I think the conversation that needs to happen and that needs to happen more and more is the value, is the value that ultimately take somebody to their goal. So what value I'm going to add, right, ultimately? And and being more recommending, being more prescribing actually helps them. They do not, there are different kinds of leaders, right? You know, some, some people are really anxious that, oh, I'm missing out on AI. So give me something of AI so that I have it in my portfolio. That's one kind of course. And then there are others who really don't care because they are doing really good with their, you know, with their function. Uh, the question is you need to tackle them uh, in different ways. I mean, but what do you need to offer them, as you mentioned, very correctly proactive and being more prescriptive and being showing the value showing value of analytics is is, is a complex process and i don't think we have, we have 100% reached there that this is exactly the value of analytics in a very traditional conventional kind of business but whatever we have i mean a very simplistic very elementary if we can show that this can bring in this which is the old gap um, that will really help them to um, to you know, uh, to get them into their their function to work with their analytics at that point, uh, rather than um, just giving AI, just giving a report, just giving a this thing, always kind of um, put us in the sideline. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like you drive yourselves to the sideline, but it's not necessary. So people are more more open to work with data analytics in a meaningful way if you position it right. And you are the leader, you are the representative and the ambassador of that function. So your posture towards that conversation and relationship will really set the tone for how the business it, sees it. It's very important. I, I think being an ev evangelist of data analytics within the organization and socialize it as much as possible, reiterate, 
talk hundred times and let it be more of a conversation. Let them ask questions. Let them make them curious about it. I think that is more important um, to do, and that is a again a very continuous process along the way you are building a practice as well. Absolutely. And asking the right questions, sometimes it's inherently valuable. I would actually make the case that asking good questions is always valuable because during that process, I mean, again, these are busy people, you know, they have deliverables, they have multiple projects, multiple people to manage often as well. So when you ask the right questions, it helps them think that helps them to conceptualize their situation, their opportunities, their risks. And then if you can also add something because you can build amazing things with technology or just give them visibility of what's possible, immediately you became valuable. And it can literally be like a, a 10 minute conversation. And that's how they will see you each, each touch point. That kind of leads to that second point that you mentioned of ownership of the business, of the business goals. So that's like more about the organizational structure, I imagine, and the, and the, and the incentives built in. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Like how can you achieve that ownership of a business goal as a data function? What are some of the, uh, the the steps there in the process? So um, I have experience in one of my organizations worked in to do something like that. And I think that is fascinating, basically, because it really drives me as well. The proactiveness of my, my uh, within me comes out really well. So for example, and that has to be linked with the incentive as well, because I think that is important to kind of get the things going. So if I have like four targets in a year, yeah, of course, one of them is to build my practice, to get the new technologies and new teams, deliverables. Yeah, awesome. Everything is great. If I even keep one or even two of the goals to be shared with one of the business function goals, for example, if I can take from marketing, what is the goal of marketing? Maybe just optimize their spend. That is the goal. If I share that goal with them, I will be very, very invested and they feel secured as well because they know that I'm invested in their goal as well. So I'm going to put all my resources and all my energy there. Uh, I think that is very important. Um, um, with that, um, you can run, uh, you can uh, you know, create that partnership, you can build something together. And that togetherness between business and between data analytics really can help to bring analytics to the position that it needs to be ultimately to create more and more values um so yeah i i completely agree if we can share a business goal rather than just the delivery goals which we have a lot i mean i can produce 100 reports that's if that is my goal um yeah they, they definitely i'll reach that goal but it's not going to make that impact that i'm trying to make but mm. if my goal is to make um, media investment more optimized um, that is a goal I would really would be very happy and proactively and put all my energy there. So that's my point of ownership. So I, I own a business KPI, which everybody cares about. A lot of people cares about. Mm -hmm. So on the flip side of that, um, maybe we can spend just a, a minute on talking about managing a data science team as well. Mm -hmm. So how does that translate into motivating your own team and make sure that they are invested in the right things? Because again, what we find is that people, technical personnel, right? A lot of times can fall into that type of tunnel vision uh, where they kind of lose sight of the, of the big picture, which does compromise your relationship with the enterprise as a uh, as a function. So uh, do you have any observations, best practices on how to make sure that your team is incentivized the right way as well? 
I think it's very important. That's why to have a right mix in the team. Um, I mean, there will be data scientists who are obsessed of getting an algorithm to certain accuracy or doing it in a certain way that is very an optimal is very optimized. And I absolutely we need that. We, without that, we cannot really do anything, right? We need that obsession in the team. We need another part of the team which is more of which which I say as data translators. I mean, they kind of pave the path. So if I have this goal of optimizing media cost for my organization, if that is my bigger goal, um, we can create like multiple projects within that to do that, right? And each one of them should be actually a combination of a translator and a data scientist or an analyst or a, you know, a visualization expert or an MLOps person or a DevOps, whatever it is. I mean, ultimately, uh, with all this work, we are creating a, a one product. We're not creating an algorithm. We are not creating one dashboard. We are creating a product that is going to create insight that will help to drive the um, you know business goal. So the right mix in the team is, I think, is super important because all these skill sets are equally important to a data analytics team. We need a very good data scientist or an analyst who are technically very strong, who are obsessed of getting the technical things right. Um, we also need the business translators or data translators who can translate that to a package product, which can be used for you know, you know, generating those insights and help me to reach to that goal and my and and the business leaders as well. Hmm. So, would you say that, of course, like you need different skill sets and you need people to be obsessed with different things, so you can really push the needle in different areas? I think you made a really good point about look, we're not building an algorithm; uh, we're building a product. I would even argue that when you build a product, you are building also an experience because it is going to be used by human beings. Whatever product uh, you know you're building, it's, I mean, in data data science and analytics, it will always end up at someone's desk as a human is gonna going to make a decision which will drive the value or or won't right but 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 th that will be the deciding factor so do you think that even for those people who are the 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 tech uh obsessed uh guys who don't really take part in the business translation process do you think it's even useful for them to understand to 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 see the matrix in the sense of uh, you know, the human psychology, motivational levers, how different people make decisions and, and are influenced. Do you think that's, that, that's like a useful thing even for that team to know? Like how will their job, their work translate into an experience on the user's end? So I'll say that I've encountered very uh, small number of unicorns and you're talking about unicorns. It's very hard. Um, I don't think it's necessary. I think we need the right mix in the team. That's what we need ultimately. So um, uh, I don't, a lot of people does not have that aptitude and doesn't like to because their interest is on a different uh, area, right? And they wanted to excel in that area and we should be rewarding them in the area that they're excelling because that's what we have hired them for. On the other hand, um, if somebody you find who is technically uh, very sound as well as super curious in understanding business, we should encourage and we should be, um, you know, uh, by, uh, make them in front of the audience, talk about it and, you know, bring them in those conversations which is they understand the business. And again, that curiosity has to drive. And at, at some point of time, either it will, uh, you know, overlap the technical, uh, technical interest or not, or they may just stay as a kind of a 
uh, unicorn there. But mm. I don't think it is necessary because um, we should reward them what they are being hired for and what they wanted to excel as well. Hmm. What about team progression or like the the progression of these professionals? So do you think if they do want to progress, they won't if they do want to get to the next level, then do you think it's possible only on the technical dimension? Or maybe is it is it more limited on the on the technical dimension? Would you recommend to these people if someone came to you that hey, you know, I'm the the best at what I do? It's like, you know, I I love this I'm obsessed with the uh, with the text I had to figure out you know that that algorithm but also long term I would want to progress in my career and, and and take on more and more responsibility do you think for that it would be necessary for them to invest more in the business vision and the people people skills I agree in that case it does so what I'm trying to say here is mm-hmm. so for example you you're talking about analytics team analytics team can be already super matured they maybe have like 300 people in the organization they're saying that it Mm -hmm. can have and it can already kind of generating or taking up a centralized position within the organization. In that case, you can have a a parallel track of technical skill set and they can rise in an organization, they can develop in their career as well. With a smaller analytics team, it is very hard to do it because Mm -hmm. again, what we are talking about for the last 25 minutes, oh God, my life actually might go out and that we'll need to turn it back on so that's okay i have to really go out because this is a studio that i'm sitting and this thing is motion i'm not moving most from anyway so because <laughs> you're like locked into the conversation yeah, I don't know what <laughs> so, so, I have to wait. yeah so um the, the thing is what i'm trying to uh, say is uh, so that it is smaller that we've been talking about last 20 25 minutes is about the value of the uh analytics and the value of the analytics is always we are trying to perceive a value of the analytics in terms of business metrics and when we're talking about the business metrics there is a higher chance that if this technical person goes towards more business side of it or have a combination of it higher chance of getting successful in the career and, and you know go up in the in their in their organization as well no, absolutely. So it kind of depends where are you in the in the, in the da yeah, you know, on the person, whether you are that kind of individual who just, you know, has that sort of ambition to progress, take on new challenges, to explore new heights of, of uh, their career. And it's just not not everyone. And you know what? I mean, you actually need those people in the team who are just obsessed at being, you know, assassins in, in, in whatever field they are in. Yeah. And some people actually love it. And uh, we yeah. should respect that, their their thoughts as well. Yeah, and nurture and cultivate that. Um, no, really cool. And then the the part where you talked about how to actually partner. So I, I think we. So this was the third thing that you pointed out, which I think we already uh, spoke about. But you did drop earlier on that at some point in your career, story storytelling became like a more prominent thing that you need to spend some time on. So everyone has a different take on what storytelling actually means in data science and analytics. Uh, what does it mean for you? How did it become meaningful? And how did you start cultivating that skill? And how did you start putting more and more focus into it? Yep. So as I was going through, you know, my second phase of, you know, building insights and sharing I always have this feeling that after 10 minutes or not even 10 minutes, five minutes of my my presentation, I completely lose the audience. I completely lose the room. I mean, the only people who are interested is my 
IT myths, of course, they understand it and they know how much uh, it may be complex and interesting the problem to solve is. They are the only ones who are interested. And this has been happening multiple times. So I kind of trying to understand and I was, I really did not understand that time. And I have a mentor who kind of helped me to understand that, okay, you're talking, you need to understand the audience of the room. It's different. They are there. They do not care, you know, what kind of random forest or anything you have used, right? Um, um, so I started, you know, learning how to talk about the data or the insights um, in terms of the business um, uh, conversation. So I always used to start with my presentation with a business KPI. So I start with that KPI. That's what they're interested in. If you are talking that there is a 5% growth in a particular area in terms of revenue or sales or a 2% opportunity there, that's catch their attention immediately. And if I can build my story around that KPI, and then, yeah, of course, I can talk about the cool things that I have developed uh, along with that. I, I think I, I, they are much more engaged. They came back with questions as well after that. And it's a completely um, different experience when I started doing the storytelling in this way versus the other way out. Mm. Because this is ultimately like the framing of the story. And this is just so fundamental because when you hear about storytelling and you can you know follow different uh, uh, accounts online and a lot of it is like silly stuff or something that's just you know cherry on top of like you know how will the words come out of your mouth or what kind of language you're using exactly which is fantastic but if it's not built on the right like like larger context foundations the story will still not hit so an easier win and something much more fundamental is actually frame your story the right way First of all, you're always telling a story. Even if, when you think you're not telling a story, you are telling a story. It might just be really bad and boring and does not connect with the audience, right? Yes. Now, when you present to that uh, senior audience, as you said, just by framing it in terms of business language and business motivations immediately shifts the tone. This is not a tech presentation anymore. This is not about data analytics anymore. It is about your business. And we can actually take it to the next level, which I will talk about, but then Really, it's one of those counterintuitive things that once you actually move away from talking in terms of data and analytics, people will care about data analytics more and will use it more. Right? It's like one of those things that you shift the focus and that will increase adoption. Now, I would also argue that there is that fine line and that transition that uh, few people notice and definitely even fewer use effectively is when the business is very important. You know, all of us, we all care about our businesses, you know, but at the end of the day, we are human beings. So we are ultimately driven by our own emotions. So yeah. if you're not emotionally invested in your business in some way through some personal motivational levers, you wouldn't be working at that business, right? Um, but you wouldn't be invested in in uh, in any kind of new solution anyways. So if you could take it one step further and understand that those business KPIs, those business goals, how do those connect to the individual on a visceral personal level and can tailor your story around that, which is, again, it's like more of, it is a science, but it's also an art. Then your story really becomes engaging. You know, it has to do with you know, all kinds of financial incentives, bonuses, progression, like whatever that person cares about. Maybe it's just an elimination of some horrible frustration that they have, right? 
and then you speak into that. So first move from, you can talk about tech, that's like the low, lowest level, right? Then you can talk about the business and the best, the holy grail is when you talk about the individual and their emotions. What, what, what do you think about that framing? That's very interesting. I, I really did not thought to that level of going towards, you know, a personal motivation kind of thing as well. Um, because see, Whatever, whatever I'm just talking here, all of this, it seems a very happy path. It's not. There are a lot of frustration, you know, within the people who are working, within the people whom I'm working with as well, um, with the whole data analytics thing. Uh, I think there's a very interesting take of talking about the personal motivation, the invest, the personal investment they have on the on the business, and that kind of may connect them to a completely different level. I'm much higher than just those business metrics that I'm talking about. So I'd love to explore this more to see. Uh, but this is, a, as you mentioned, this is not a science. This is a lot of art in this. And that balance where you can cross the line, the thin line uh, can be uh, very um, uh, contradictory as well. So I, I, definitely important to um, know about it, learn about it, and you know, practice in your storytelling and then see what happens kind of situation. And it's like any other skill, right? So uh, there, there are the four stages of learning, which is like at the, the very beginning, you are unconsciously incompetent. You don't even know what you don't know. You know, just reality does not respond in a way that you necessarily expect it. And you don't know why. There's these invisible, you know, glass walls that you keep bumping into. Then information is revealed. So this is when you become uh, consciously incompetent. Now you know, like, wow, okay, I, I kind of see the matrix, but it's still confusing. But at least I know that there's something that I need to pursue and implement. By the way, our current educational system and framework usually stops here because this is when you read a book or you hear a presentation. This yeah. only gets you to that second stage. And of course, when you start to implement it, then you become consciously competent. So you need to put it into practice. It's still clunky, rough on the edges. You know, there's a lot of manual control, a lot of energy and time and very imperfect execution as well. But when you do it the right way, especially with the proper feedback and in the right framework, then you become unconsciously competent, which means it becomes second nature. So with, with each of these, what I'm laying out, of course, it happens in steps. And again, when you start thinking about your stakeholders that way, that there's a human being, they everyone has a pain and everyone has a desire right and those are your levers if you try to push anything else you know they might nod and say this was very nice right but they won't really take action and and in data analytics that action that real investment that real follow-through is the money shot like that's actually what you want to speak into of course you know we will also have like more and more content coming out on this and you know also in the data storytellers community um and actually on that note, because I think we have like four minutes, you said that we've been talking for 20, I think it was more like 35, but time flies okay. when you're, yeah, 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 when you're having fun. In fact, I think we're almost at, at like the, the 45 minute mark now. And it was a really good conversation. So if we look at um, new technologies, you know, the, the excitement about data analytics right now, it's reaching new peaks with uh, chat GPT and all that. So first of all, uh, what is your take on this whole new trend of generative AI? I mean, of course you're in the business, you're a professional, you have a different view uh, than a layman would. So what do you see as the biggest risks and opportunities in business right now with these new trends, especially with generative AI? So this is my very simplistic take on this. I think the buzz is because Chat GPT or LLMs, um, they are creating something which is very close to business language, which they're actually speaking a language, not any number or chart anymore. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. 
um, in that sense. I think, of course, they, they, when you are talking about actually using it as a business, this has to be commercialized. There has to be some you know, compliances around this um, because this is like a wild horse right now. I mean, you can go anywhere and bring anything out from there, which is uh, the power of this kind of technology. But at the same time, what it does is when I'm talking about from business context, I have very specific things to answer to business and a very specific route to go there. And there, I do not want anomalies. I do not want outliers. I do not want random talks, noises. I want something which is relevant to business when I'm looking at the day. It's just very simplistically what I think is very simply when you are doing a, a basic uh, machine learning models, the way you select a training sample kind of give the success of the model that or the prescription or the prediction out of it, right? To the context of your business. I think that concept is still there. What kind of sample you are trying to build on is going to give the result that is useful for you or not useful for you. I think that has to be first packaged into a commercial product and secondly the compliance part i i think i 100 agree because there are so many things coming out every day you have no idea which one is real which one is not real so that's important absolutely and actually you uh hit the nail on the head there with look it, there's a huge stream of this information that in and of itself causes uh non-technical people but even technical people even people who know data analytics some anxiety if you actually take on that role or or like implement it into your posture towards the business that i'm the guy who will bring clarity into this who will give you visibility on, on this in and of itself that reinforces your business advisor posture so just like looking into this and staying on top of this and then yeah. proactively informing the business and reassuring them that, hey, you're not missing out on that much, even though, you know, you probably only didn't read five posts a day that, hey, if you don't, if you don't install these, you know, 20 GPT plugins, you're missing out, right? So, but, but then just reassuring them can be a powerful tool to cultivate these relationships. And uh, Ranajai, really enjoy the conversation. We appreciate your insights. We appreciate you being a part of our community and your contributions so far. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we will continue our collaboration, maybe getting you on one of the data stories. I think we've already started a conversation about that. Sure. Thank you, Leslie. I really enjoyed the podcast. Thank you. Likewise.